from New York State, welcome to Mark to Markets. I'm your host, Mark Penzener. On this podcast, we discuss issues near and far from personal finance. As always, you can reach me at 212-969-6655 or email me directly at mark.penzener at bernstein.com. Well, every year around now, we get together a bunch of my favorite sports people to take us through the NCAA March Madness tournament for college basketball. That this year did not happen. And we've been in the throes of coronavirus, COVID-19, podcasts, webcasts, feels like every other week now. And I thought it was important to take a little bit of time and step away from that and talk about the lighter parts of life that, that are still impacted by COVID-19. So to do that, I brought in our friends from last year, Dave Friedman, the voice of Winthrop Basketball, and Damon Mendelara, the host of the DA show on the CBS Sports Radio Network. And we're going to be joined by Andrew Catalan, one of the voices of March Madness and golf and lots of other sports for CBS. So, boys, thank you for joining. Of course. How do you do it? And, and so I just wanted to ask all of you, what are your days like now? You know, you spend your life traveling, watching, um, consumed by sports, and now they're entirely gone. So what are your days like? Maybe I'll start with you, Andrew, without having to get on a plane every week to get to the next event. Well, I think it's funny because you say the next event, and there's always been – a next event that I could prepare for. Even if I was off a couple of weeks or even a couple of months, I could still look to see what the next event would be and do some research and some homework. I really can't do that right now. I have no idea what the next event is going to be. So it's a really weird time. I'm spending time at home with my family, which is great. But from a work perspective, I can't remember the last time where I didn't have an assignment I could at least look forward to to prepare because I just don't know what that next one will be. Damon, I'm guessing that is an interesting challenge for you. You've got to be on the air four hours a day talking about sports, what's going to happen tonight, what happened last night. And the answer to both those questions is nothing. So how are you filling four hours a day? Yeah, my the structure of my day is actually not nearly as unstructured as everybody else's around sports without games, because as you just kind of alluded to, the, the show goes on whether there's games or not. It just means we've got to find different ways to talk about things and different things to talk about. So I'm still on the air every day for four hours, and it just means that instead of watching games at night and reacting to them in the morning – it's looking for news stories in the sports world and finding ways to dissect those. And in actuality, it's not all that different to do that than many normal days because sports radio and the sports hot take culture, et cetera, has oftentimes never revolved around recently the games themselves. They're more like the soap operas in between. What players are great? Where do they rank historically? You know, you're old, who's going to get fired? Where does somebody sign? What, who's going to, who are they going to draft? Who needs to get promoted? Who needs to get cut? Those types of things have kind of been a staple of sports talk radio for a while now because a lot of people just can't consume as many games as they used to for a million different reasons, even though that technology is better, but people have less time. So that sports culture in terms of the debate topics are much more superficial than they've ever been in many ways, at least at a national level. So in that case, it's just finding the different stories to talk about versus the same stories, which are usually a reaction to games. 
Now it's a lot of draft stuff, free agent stuff, what happens with sports, potential prognostications of how sports return and things like that. Dave Friedman, you are intimately involved with one school with one team. That comes to a really a sudden stop, right? I mean, that, I think we'll all remember where we were that night where Tom Hanks gets, announces he has coronavirus, Adam Silver stops the NBA, and, and that felt like the day everything changed, and, and your season stopped. So how disjointed has this been for you? Well, originally, it was sort of jarring because Winthrop had won their conference tournament championship game on Sunday, and I refer to the next week fairly annually as my favorite or one of my two favorite weeks of the year because it's looking at brackets and watching all the teams you could potentially play, playing amateur bracketologist and really for me beginning to prepare for the NCAA tournament. I'm pretty good at identifying who the four or six or eight teams that Winthrop might play are going to be. And I'm going to get ready to do a show on selection Sunday. And by the time we get to the tournament bracket being unveiled, I'm probably going to have watched 50 or 52 of the 68 teams in there, maybe 55, and know really a lot about the coaches and the players. I love watching basketball all week there, and then in one fell swoop, it's just gone. So the the preparing for the games and just the enjoyment of the tournament, watching Cat in his games and all the brackets and seeing friends and going to the Final Four and networking, it's just the rug kind of slipped out from under you. So, so it was very jarring and bizarre. Um, you know, if you listen to Damon's show, which I do from time to time, I don't think he planned on reviewing 25-year-old movies on his show, but it's an entertainment medium, and he has to fill that airtime. The airtime for Kat and I is more how do you go through day in and day out. There's no game to broadcast tomorrow. There's no game to prepare for a month from now. And that's very awkward and kind of strange. So I, I should ask, because I, I touched on this and, and I didn't think of it in advance, but where were the three of you that night? I mean, that, that very well could be for our generation or, or, or not for our generation, for everyone who was around now, this moment of where were you the night that Hanks and the NBA stopped? I don't know if you guys were calling games or watching games. Just take me through Catalan, where you were that night, and, and I guess maybe the, the first few thoughts that went through your mind. Well, it's a similar situation to Dave in that the last game I broadcasted was March 7th, which was a Saturday, and then I was off the ensuing week leading up to the NCAA tournament. I was going to call the first four in Dayton, Ohio, so I had about 10 days to get ready for that before I would move on to the first and second round of the NCAA tournament. So I was kind of in a similar boat as Dave, just trying to see where it could be and, you know, what teams could go to Dayton. Because a lot of times you can get a, a sense as, you know, some of the teams that might be there and starting to do some preliminary work on that. And then, you know, away from work, not calling a game is when everything went down. And, you know, it just happened so quickly that, uh, you know, it went from, all right, maybe there won't be any fans in Dayton to there's no NCAA tournament to there are no sports at all. It just amazes me how quickly – everything happened here. Damon, your night? 
I was actually in Florida that night. That was a Wednesday night, I believe. And I had flown down there with a couple of friends of mine from growing up. We always go down to spring training once a year to go see some baseball, go see our favorite team, the New York Mets. And that was the first night we were down there. And I remember watching you know, my phone kind of unfold of the night's the night's events and being on, you know, texts with my family and friends like you guys. And that's when Rudy Gobert tested positive. That's when Adam Silver pulled everybody off the court in that game. That's when he halted the season. That's when Tom Hanks tested positive. And that's when the Big Ten tournament thought that maybe they had one of their coaches and Fred Hoiberg who would test positive as he was going through some pretty obvious uh, physical distress during the game. And it almost to me, felt like the world was unraveling in real time. I mean, every 10 to 15 minutes, there was another bombshell over Twitter or on the news that you said, this, this can't happen, on top of this can't happen, on top of this can't happen. That was all the day that Trump had, um, I believe, grounded all international flight. And so I was out of my normal comfort zone, out of where I was, you know, living and from. And on a supposed vacation and watching this unfold, that it was uh, completely disorienting. And I would say, you're right, Penn. I think it's a day that you'll always remember because in real time, it felt like everything was unraveling and you didn't know when, when that ball of yarn stopped unraveling. So I, I'm going to look at this through the perspective of a, a sports fan. And I grew up with you guys in the business in the early days. So, so maybe I'm seeing this through sports-colored glasses, but, but Dave, you're the best person I, maybe in the room to debate. I think, and this may be crazy, that Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, changed the tenor of the conversation in this country when he said, we're done. Like, I think it, that moment changed it from, oh, there's this, there's this virus out there, whatever, to, wait a second, sports are over? Like, th this is now serious. Am I crazy in that point of view? Well, I don't think he had an option. When one of your players tests positive, that, that team can no longer play. I mean, so what choice did he have? But yes, absolutely, that was the watershed moment, the one that kind of twisted it over the top, because I was watching BU upset Colgate in the Patriot League championship game and thinking, wow, BU is going to be seated below Winthrop. That's one more team to move Winthrop up for maybe a 16 to a 15 or a 15 to a 14 type thing. And then you're like, the NBA is stopping. Well, how are we going to have more college basketball if we don't have professional basketball? So I don't know that Adam Silver made a courageous decision. I think he made the only decision he could, but that was kind of the oh my goodness, this is way bigger than a game or even sports in general. Yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about. That, that it was like the, everyone took pause and noticed it. Did, did you feel that, Damon, in your calls and in the tenor of your show? Oh, definitely. That night was, I mean, the atom bomb of sports because if the NBA <laughs> can, can pull off the, the teams off the floor, I mean, there, there's that shot that will live in infamy where Mark Cuban is at his own game and is told by uh, an assistant, hey, the NBA is canceled. And he goes, what? And you can see him mouth, what? You've got to be bleeping kidding me. And he gets up and he can't believe it. And there's this kind of like everything has just been put on pause 
in perpetuity now. And yes, once they, once Adam Silver said that, as Dave said, he probably didn't have a choice, but it just was the bottom dropping out of nobody can play basketball now. Nobody can play sports now. If one league says no, how can anybody really move forward? And if there are no sports, <laughs> what does that mean for the sports media culture? And I just remember going, wow, like everything right now changed within the blink of an eye. So I, I, look, sports are incredibly important in our culture, in our national identity, right, wrong, and different, right? They're, they're, they're part of the American cultural experience. I think very much so they set up the calendar for a large portion of the public, right? They know that summer means baseball and hot dogs. Spring is the masters. The weather starts getting colder. It's football and hockey and basketball. Do you think, Andrew, that, and, and you, by the way, call a lot of that, right? You've got spring with masters, the fall with football, the NCAA tournament and, and, and basketball as we get into the winter. Do you think the loss of sports is sort of disjointing people in their calendars and, and, and making the Groundhog Day feeling we're all going through more acute? You know, I think it's a great point in terms of being disoriented and not knowing even like what day it is. I mean, you know, the Masters Sunday, you know, it's going to come to a conclusion. Sunday. Um, you know, I think one of the bigger takeaways that I've had is just the value of live sports and how much we all miss that from a fan's perspective, from a television advertising perspective. I just, I, you know, I always knew it was the thing, but I didn't know if it was, I didn't know, realize it was this big. I mean, people are clamoring for anything live these days, uh, whether it's the NFL draft upcoming, people are going to go nuts because it's just something new, something that's going to be unfolding on our TV in real time, which is something that we're so accustomed to all throughout the year because of sports and something we haven't had at all since this all started. And, and Damon, it's got to be similar for you, right? That there is a cadence to your show with the seasons, right? Like the, the flowers of spring and, you know, the, the autumn leaves. I got to assume, you know, you can walk outside, feel the temperature and the weather, and you know what you're talking about. And now you don't. You, you, do you feel like that's, that's true too? Undoubtedly. And the listeners feel that same exact way. They're totally disoriented right now. There is no grounding. There's no footing. You don't know not only what day it is of the week, but you don't understand kind of like your, your positioning on the compass of the, of, the, of the calendar. Because right now, I mean, what you alluded to is very important here, is that even if you're not a sports fan, sports provides these benchmarks in the year where you know what to expect. March is of college basketball, the NCAA tournament. Early April is the first day of baseball, and so you have opening day. The NFL draft is always late April. We then have the Masters in April as well, right around Easter weekend. These things are benchmarks to which people set their internal clocks to. And without it, people are totally lost. It doesn't feel like the day moves. It doesn't feel like the month moves. It doesn't feel like the, the seasons move. And I think that my listeners are completely disoriented. I think they wake up every day and they don't really have that grounding, that positioning. And it's really difficult. And I think that there's a mental wellness part of it. And I'm, I'm with Catalan 100% here. I think working in sports 
realize the significance of it when you're working at it because it keeps us all employed. What you don't realize is what happens when every, everything ends. What happens when it goes dark? We've never had this before. We've had a, an NBA lockout, but everything else went on. We had an end, we had Major League Baseball lose a World Series with everything else going on. We had a lockout that missed the entire season of the Stanley Cup, but we had everything else going on. We don't know what it feels like to have nothing going on. And this makes you realize that without anything going on, it's a desert. It's just a complete, like, there's, it's, there, there is nothing to hold on to in terms of um, distracting you or taking your attention away from the, the problems at hand. And it only has now enhanced the significance and importance of what sports mean to this culture on a daily basis. Well, I think the calendar is a huge part of that, right? I mean, even if, and this isn't even seasonal right now, but if the NFL were playing now, I could almost mark my week on, all right, I've got to get to Sunday. I got some sports to watch on Sunday. I've got a Monday night game, a Thursday. We're all living Groundhog Day, right? Whether you have kids or not, you're in your house, or your apartment, seeing the same day over and over and over again. And you have no sports news or, or actually news flow outside of this pandemic that, that you can mark your calendar around. I think it makes for a really odd experience. Dave, have you felt that too? Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing is the uncertainty. If we knew on August 1st, baseball was going to begin, football was going to be in training camp, we were going to get college football around Labor Day, I think everyone would kind of be at ease that we know what's coming. It's the uncertainty of is there going to be baseball? Is there going to be football? My friends range from believing that baseball begins in July to there's no sports until 2022. And I think that most of my friends are pretty intelligent, educated people. Nobody has any clue. And I think that's what's so difficult. Damon maybe is in a little bit of a different situation. He's in the entertainment business. He's going to have a show each day, whether he's talking about sports or kind of something that sports coddles up to. Catalan and I, I don't know when I'm going to call another game. It could be in a week. It could be in a month. Well, it's probably not going to be in a week. In a month, six weeks, eight weeks, or a year from now. It's just impossible to know. And I think it's that uncertainty that really gives you some, some nervousness and anxiety. I think we've all should have reconsidered the option of taking a job for EA Sports, calling games for them, because at least that's continuing in light. I and mean, that's the only thing I've got keeping me going forward. Um, l let me finish with, with um, a forward-looking question. If there are sports without fans in, in the arenas or, or on the field, how do you think that will be? I don't mean from a business perspective, just purely like, could that be cool for you guys that are at events where it's like, wow, it's really pure. It's almost like going to a high school game with the best athletes in the world. Might it feel empty? I'm just, if you were putting yourself in a stadium, basketball, football, the masters, whatever, and it's empty, what do you think that's going to feel like? Cat, um, probably most interesting for, for you since you're on the pro level for a lot of this. Well, a couple things. I mean, I've called a number of events sitting in a tiny closet and calling the action off a television monitor. So having done that with no atmosphere, no fans, really no sense of what's going on around you other than what you see in front of you on a TV screen, I'm comfortable doing that. And, and I think in some sports, it actually works really well. Um, then the question is, 
is it okay to have sports with no fans or no sports at all? And I think that a hundred percent of the people would say, I'd rather have sports with no fans than no sports at all. Based on what we just talked about a few minutes ago about how we're, we're all disoriented. We all need something. We all want to get it back. So I'm very much in favor if the only way to do this is to have no fans then to do it that way. And from a broadcasting perspective, sure, it would be a little strange, but personally, it can't be much weirder than sitting in a closet and calling a match, a tennis match from, you know, two, three, four time zones away and still delivering that broadcast. So I'm okay with it if that's the way it is. By the way, a separate conversation for another time is, will this change how sports are covered because of the ability for that to happen? But yeah. we'll put that aside for now. Dave, you're, you're like the most purest I can think of sports fan I could see you saying to me oh I'm gonna love it if it's just me and 10 players on the basketball court and I hear everything every ref and coach says I'm gonna be the happiest I've ever been that said how are you gonna react if you're calling a game and you're the few people in the stadium well you know I think Andrew brings up an interesting point the first question is are you allowed to be at the game or are you sitting in a yeah. studio broadcasting the game remotely? And I think it brings up an interesting question. What's better? I heard Tim Kirkchen a couple of weeks ago talking about that Orioles game a few years ago that was <laughs> yeah. played without fans. And he talked about how the players on the field could hear the broadcasters from the press box and everything they said. So if you're the only one broadcasting a game, and maybe this is a bigger issue for an analyst than it is a play-by-play -play guy but if you're going to go ahead and question the coach or question a player the players and the coaches are going to be able to hear you because there's no one there to block that sound so are you going to think about that before broadcasting the game all of us have been doing this a long time we're kind of set in the ways we go about things i think it's also a really interesting question about how are they going to film the games is it going to show an empty stadium or is it going to be shown a lot tighter so you aren't constantly thinking about 60,000 empty seats there are a lot of dynamics that haven't really been thought through and maybe in the big scheme of things they're not important or relevant but wouldn't it make a little bit more sense to play games in an empty stadium in kind of smaller venues than huge venues that are completely empty so so Dave, I, I don't know if all four of us on this are going to have this moment, but since we all thought, and some of you wound up being the next Bob Costas and Marv Albert, I, I was definitely guilty of, and probably the three of you will as well, you can tell me, calling a middle school soccer game and questioning the coach and my friends on the field because I was fake broadcasting the game and definitely got some cross-eyed looks from my <laughs> friends when I had reamed them for not, you know, missing the corner kick. So I think that's something we all have personal experience with when we were 12 and thought, you know, there was nobody in the stands and no one would hear us. Yeah, it's awkward. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's different. And particularly if you work for a university like I do, I always prefer to sit across the floor from the team than sit next to the bench. And the coaches do too, because I don't really want to hear what they have to say, and they don't really want to hear what I have to say. And there are times when the crowd mic is right in front of the coach, and there's some colorful language that could potentially get people in trouble. I mean, I've got my own 10 cents on the rotation and the way you should play and the mistakes that are being made. And, you know, if the coach hears them, 
so be it, but it would probably be my preference that they don't hear it, that if they want to go back and listen to the rebroadcast, that's their prerogative. Boy, if someone's still listening to this a half hour from now and, and wanted a big financial podcast on the impact of sports and COVID-19 and business, I would say, Dave, you just blew those hopes out of the water. Well, on side B is Steve Lapis and Mraz, right? <laughs> exactly right. Damon, I'm going to give you the last word to try and bring this home. Well, I think we would all hope to have fans in the stands sooner rather than later because of the atmosphere, because of the energy, as both Dave and Andrew said. But, I mean, we'll never see it. Obviously, we're only going to get games without fans for the time being. And I think that's okay. And I'll, I'll use this as um, a bit of a, a parallel. The Taiwanese Baseball League is playing right now. The reason I know this is because it's one of the only live sports being played right now. And I've, I've caught some highlights on social media. There are no fans being in the stands. They're playing games. I have to say, when I first thought, saw it and thought about it, I said, this is going to be really weird. As soon as I watched it, I thought I was very, it was very akin to watching a Marlins game. I mean, there's just no fans in the stands in <laughs> the baseball stadium. But we're, we, we know what that feels like. You watch a Rays game in August, and it feels like there's just the players. And once you get somewhat used to that idea, it's okay, and it's still the game. And I think that we'll get used to it, and it's certainly never going to be perfect without fans. But I think we'll get used to it. And going back to a point that we've made is that – just having the games played, that rhythm of the games being played, results of the games being played, a season unfolding is going to be so important. So I don't think we're going to have games with fans for a while, but I think we'll have games played because there's so much money involved in the television rights more than anything that once we do get the games back, even without fans, especially smaller venues like Dave alluded to, I think it'll fill a certain void and it'll it'll actually be a pretty nice a pretty nice. Uh, complimentary piece to what we used to know, at least the games will be being played. I'm going to take moderator's privilege and kind of wrap this up because Damon, what you said made me think, you know, we, we have all probably at different points in our sports fandom complained about the intersection of sports and business and it's not pure and, and lots of things like that. But if the reason we have sports a month from now is because it's a really big business, then I think I'd take that trade because I, I would be very happy to hang up from this and, and watch a game right now. And if it's only because there's so much money involved in it, I, I really don't care. It's not Stoner a Donner Park and Will Rogers down are running tomorrow. <laughs> so that's a highlight of the next podcast, which will be Dave Friedman on betting odds and ways to make money outside of the options market. So <laughs> So Damon, Dave, Catalan, I appreciate you taking the time. For our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Questions on this, which I doubt there will be, or any other topic, as I've always said, feel free to reach me at my phone number, 212-969-6655, or directly at mark.penziner at bernstein.com. Until next time, take care and stay safe.